Sports Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number three of the Pete Callender Show on this Monday, August 1. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender. And get the app, WBT.com. Get the podcast. It's all there, WBT.com. All righty, so uh, last week we talked about... Um, the recession, not a recession, right? The 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 word used to mean, you know, two negative quarters back to back, and uh, now we need it to mean something else. And so, so it's, it's like a fight whenever a Democrat is in the White House. If they have a recession going on, like oh, I'm not really sure that this really is a recession. There's, you know, there's the there's the the body that has to come in, and the NBER comes in, and they look at it. They'll make a determination. They'll let us know. Right. So it's a recession. It doesn't identify as a recession, so I'm calling it a transcession. Okay, so then that prompted, remember the story about what was going on at Wikipedia, the website, right? This is like an open source uh, encyclopedia where people go in and they set up pages and you get, you know, editing privileges and that sort of thing. And so you help maintain, it's all like volunteer-based or whatever. And whenever something like this occurs you end up with people essentially fighting on the Wikipedia page. It went through, I think they, they finally locked it. It went through like 40 or so revisions. People just kept on changing the definitions on what is a recession and what isn't right. And because obviously for political reasons. So you have this fight going on on the Wikipedia page that finally an administrator came in and locked it down. So Wikipedia actually has influence. And I'm not talking influence like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, they, they, they hire some lobbyists or something. Or, oh, we all know about Wikipedia, but never trust Wikipedia. You know, I'm not even talking about people use it in their school papers, right? When you know, you're writing a college paper or something or a high school paper and you cite Wikipedia. I'm not talking about that. No, I'm talking about law. Wikipedia. There's a new study by M, uh, some guys at, uh, I think, MIT. Yeah, MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, or CSAIL. Team of researchers led by Neil Thompson, research scientist at MIT, CSAIL, came up with a friendly experiment. Creating new legal Wikipedia articles to examine how they affect the legal decisions of judges. So, they set off by developing over 150 new Wikipedia articles on Irish Supreme Court decisions written by law students. And they chose Ireland. I'm, I'm not going to go into why, but like they said it made sense. They had some election, or they, they had some, uh, not election, but they had some similar uh, It shares a lot of similarities with the structure between, like, the U.K. system and the American system. So, anyway, so they studied the Irish Supreme Court decisions, uh, and they had law students write, like, 150 of these uh, Wikipedia articles on various cases, right? And then they basically flip a coin. They, They divvy them up half and half. So half get published and half 
uh, do not, right? Half of them are randomly chosen to be uploaded online where they could be used by judges and clerks and lawyers and anybody, right? That's the treatment group. The other half were kept offline, not posted. And that second group of cases provided the counterfactual basis of what would happen in, uh, to a case without a Wikipedia article about it. So that's your control group, right? Then they look at two measures. Whether the cases were more likely to be cited as a precedent by judges in future decisions after these things were posted to Wikipedia and whether the argument in the court judgments echoed the linguistic content of the Wikipedia pages that these guys put up. And it turned out it does. Getting a public Wikipedia article increased a case's citations by more than 20%. That is statistically significant. Quote, to our knowledge, this is the first randomized field experiment that investigates the influence of legal sources on judicial behavior. And because randomized experiments are the gold standard for this type of research, we know the effect we are seeing is causation, not just correlation, said Neil Thompson, the lead author of the study. What does it mean? It means Wikipedia is influencing what judges cite and how they write up their decisions. Why is that important? Well, obviously, precedent. Things get put down in a, in a ruling and then get referred to as court precedent. In 2018, the lead researcher first visited this idea of proving the kind of uh, causal role Wikipedia plays in shaping knowledge and behavior by looking at how it shapes academic science. It turns out that adding scientific articles uh, in what they study was chemistry, it changed how the topic was discussed in scientific literature. And science articles added as reference to Wikipedia received more academic citations as well. Because people are going there, right? They're, well, I don't know, I'm going to do a search, boom, Wikipedia pops up, and what do people say about Wikipedia, right? Well, you don't want to cite it directly, but it's a good place to find sources. So that's what they do. They go and like, okay, what is this saying? Okay, where's the source? Boom, and I'll click that. That's how they're getting the traffic. In addition to looking at the case citations made in the decisions, the team also analyzed the language used in the court rulings. And what they found were the linguistic fingerprints of the Wikipedia articles that they themselves had created. One of the co-authors of the report, a guy by the name of Brian Flanagan, said, quote, the text of a court's judgment itself will guide the law as it becomes a source of precedent for subsequent judicial decision-making. Future lawyers and judges will look back at that written judgment and use it to decide you know, what its implications are so that they can treat similar cases alike. If the text itself is influenced, as this experiment shows it, it was, and it's being influenced by anonymously sourced internet content, that's a problem, <laughs> right? That's a problem. Also a problem, ESG. ESG, but we got some pushback starting to happen. Some pushback is starting to happen.
All right, so you know what ESG is? ESG? If you have a financial advisor, just go ask them about it. <laughs> You'll get an earful. ESG, Environment, Social, Governance, ESG. It is, uh, uh, well, let's just say it's wokeism. Right? It, is, it is a way for leftists to, uh, to corrupt institutions from the inside using money and their positions as shareholders on boards and the like. And it's, it has swept through corporate America. And it, 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 it's everywhere. They got a whole guide. Like, they got like a whole rating system for this stuff. They're ranking companies on ESG scores and such. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just <laughs> took off. 45 days after West Virginia's state treasurer, Riley Moore, warned U.S. Bancorp, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, and BlackRock, which is a fund manager. Right, 45 days after West Virginia warned those companies that boycotting fossil fuels would find them banned from accessing state business, five of the six banks got blocked. New York Times reports, Riley Moore, the state treasurer, blocked five of those six companies because uh, U.S. Bancorp was left off of the restricted financial institutions list after it stopped using ESG policies that attacked the fossil fuel industry, including coal-fired power. So they dropped it. This is by far one of the things that financial advisors, if you know exactly what I'm saying, people are coming in and asking about ESG. They're like, I don't want my money being involved in anything BlackRock or Vanguard, right? These are the companies that are uh, that are pushing it. There's a third one too. I forget what the th- uh, what the third fund manager is, but um, West Virginia has already taken a uh, active measure. They put them on a block list, banning banks from investing West Virginians' money aligns with the state's priorities. He said, as the U.S.'s second largest coal producer. As treasurer, I have a duty to act in the best interests of the state's treasury and our people when choosing financial services for West Virginia. Any institution with policies aimed at weakening our energy industries, tax base, and job market has a clear conflict of interest in handling taxpayer dollars. Meanwhile, uh, in Florida, Ron DeSantis, in an interview with Tucker Carlson, uh, the other day, he said Florida plans to input a flat ban against corporations using ESG to discriminate against other businesses or industries that don't support the agenda. He said, quote, it's basically a way for uh, for them to do politics. So we're going to make sure that that fiduciary duty is defined very clearly and that they stick to that. We also want to provide protection for people in the financial marketplace from being discriminated against based on ideology. See, people don't realize this, but ESG policies, the the things that get you a higher score with ESG actually produce lower returns for the shareholders. And that's the, that's the big problem here is that 
You've got like this guy Larry Fink at uh, BlackRock, for example, um, who's the sort of the main driver of all of this, and um, you're playing with other people's money. You're making these politically based decisions about what industries to boycott, where to move money from and to. You're making all of these decisions with other people's money. And the amount of capital that uh, BlackRock and Vanguard, the, the amount that they control moves companies, moves markets. And we saw it happen. Uh, the, I think the 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 first test case, basically, the poster child was Exxon, right? Where... They basically forced Exxon to bring on some people onto their board of directors that were like lefty environmentalists. And then they stopped Exxon from doing something that they wanted to do. And they tanked their stock in order to make them do it. Because when, you know, these big fund managers start selling off all your stock on the market, well, yeah, the company's the company could collapse. And so they they caved. The company caves. And so that's what they're doing. They're putting... They're putting their people on the boards, right? They're becoming big shareholders in certain industries and certain companies. And now with the ESG stuff, now it's like, all right, well, make sure everybody's playing playing the game. It's This is your social credit score company. And uh, DeSantis warned that allowing corporations to push the ESG ad- agenda would be a disaster for several industries, including fossil fuels, but also agriculture. And this is, we talked about this a couple of days ago, too, where, um, what is it, the uh, Sri Lanka, right? And uh, where was the other one? Was it uh, Netherlands? Is that where they were? Uh, is that where they were? Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm getting my Europeans confused over there. But, uh, yeah, they they were protesting because the ESG rules locked down certain industries and certain ingredients and so farmers were like whoa wait a minute we're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to plant our crops and 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 harvest them we can't grow the crops that you meant went to all organic in sri lanka and the crops failed they overthrew their government this is what esg has wrought and so that that this is like there's a much larger battle going on with the esg stuff rather than like just looking at your portfolio, right? But these are the these are the types of policies that they're using your money, my money, they're using our money in order to advance that agenda to our own detriment. It's not even their money. Oh, it drives me nuts. So ESG funds are portfolios of equities and or bonds for which environment, social, and governance factors have been integrated into the investment process. There was a, I was reading something, uh, was it a corporate social responsibility, CSR? Right, that, that was what it, that was sort of a similar kind of attempt years ago, CSR. Big thing, corporate social responsibility. And um, ESG, though, is different because it's integrated, like, right into the company. It's all tied up in their in their finances. And then they got all these scores that are out there. So you got all these different, like, ESG ratings agencies that are 
producing scores so you can make sure you invest with the right company or do business with the right company that has a high ESG score. And so then, of course, when you got the big managers that are buying up stock in company, now that's the incentive for the companies to adopt these ESG ratings so they can then sell it to the to the uh, investors, right? To the, the to the fund managers. So ESG, according to uh, Bethany Blankley over at JustTheNews.com, ESG, she says, many argue, is based on the social credit score first established in China, which restricts citizens' movements and freedoms based on their scores. When announcing the system in 2014, the Chinese Communist Party said it was, quote, an important component of the socialist market economy system and the social governance system. It's the social credit score. That's what ESG is being used as for companies. China's social credit system is an ambitious initiative to build a database that monitors individual corporate and government behavior across the country in real time. That was according to the Chinese government. So, in America, woke elites use ESG investing to prop up far-left policies, undermining our national security and raising prices for Americans, according to State House Speaker-designate Paul Renner down in Florida, where they are introducing legislation. There's a proposal. It's going to hit in 2023. It would prohibit big banks, credit card companies, and money transmitters from discriminating against customers based on their religious, political, or social beliefs, which have been identified as contributing to the score. Yeah. Environmental, social, and governance. It'll also prohibit state... And yeah, so climate change is like, is huge. So if you... Like, think about it, right? If you're BlackRock or Vanguard or let's say, you know, you're, you know, you're your own uh, fund manager. And you are on board with the ESG. And you've got a whole bunch of, you got a trillion dollars or so in assets that you want to you wanna send to various companies, right? Well, if you are all in on ESG and you're like really into climate change and preventing Gaia Earth from getting too hot, then um, I'm thinking you're probably not going to spend any money whatsoever in any of the fossil fuel industries, right? Okay, so now what if everybody's on ESG? Because I'm like, you know, you could say, well, you know, not everybody managing the money would make that same decision. Okay, but now if you've if you're forcing the ESG ratings into all facets of all level in all levels of corporate, how do you get away from it? Everybody's going to be making the same decisions, will they not? Because in order to get a high ESG score. You have to shun certain industries, certain technologies, right? You have to adopt certain positions. That gives you a higher score. That makes you more in, you know, worthy of investment. It's going to prohibit, down in Florida, this law would prohibit State Board of Administration fund managers, SBA managers, from considering ESG factors when investing state money and require SBA fund managers to only consider maximizing return on investment on behalf of Florida's retirees. That's a winning issue for that demographic, right? Don't you think? 
Do you think that you should be told that, hey, uh, we're going to move this money from these, you know, uh, from these industries or companies based on ESG scores? It's going to mean a lower return for you. You're not going to actually have as much money as you thought you were going to have in your retirement products, in your portfolio. You're not going to have that return. You could have got a better return if you had invested in these other industries, but we made the decision to pressure those industries uh, and, and companies uh, with our money, and so we're, they got low ESG scores, so we're not, we're not investing in them. Even though it could have made you money, we're not investing in them. I think you would probably want to know that, would you not? And you would want to know, like, what is, what is the difference in performance? The proposed bill in Florida also would amend Florida's deceptive and unfair trade practices statute it would pro- in order to prohibit uh, discriminatory practices by large financial institutions based on ESG metrics. DeSantis, Governor DeSantis argues that the metrics are arbitrary and they're based on political affiliation, religious beliefs, industry engagement, and ESG benchmarks. Entities that violate this ban for deceptive and unfair trade practices, if you violate the ban on ESG, it would be considered deceptive and engaging in unfair trade practices and be penalized according to law. At the next State Board of Administration meeting, DeSantis said he is also proposing an update to the fiduciary duties of the board's investment fund managers to exclude ESG from the state's investment management practices. West Virginia, Florida, but wait, one more, Europe. The next milestone in Europe's efforts to create a global benchmark for ESG investing has been shelved indefinitely as officials balk at devoting resources to a process that's already marred by deep political division, according to people familiar with the matter. Bloomberg.com reporting the so-called social taxonomy, which was to be the next plank in the European Union's years-long process to create a guidebook for driving capital into activities that meet environmental, social, and governance standards. They say it's unlikely to see the light of day in the next few years. It had tentatively been slated for debate before the current commission ends its term in 2024. And now it's not. It follows the EU's decision to add gas and nuclear energy to its green taxonomy when that angered some member countries and left the EU parliament deeply divided. Yeah, well, uh, nothing like a good energy crisis to really focus your attention on the impacts of your policy regarding energy production, right? So... Uh, now all of a sudden you heard stories out of Germany as well that they're uh, they're start, they're green lighting more nuclear projects. This is like this. It's obvious where this has to go, folks. You know you can't you can't tell everybody get into an electric vehicle and plug into the power grid and have the power grid run off of solar and wind. It's that's it's not feasible. It's not scalable. So. Nuclear is the answer. If you if you hate the coal and you want to get off the coal, then nuclear is the answer. Heck, Charlotte, look, we got two of them, right? They've been powering us for a long time. All right, I have a uh, an update on the North Carolina Green Party. 
the the board of elections today they allowed the green party uh to be certified as a party now will they be on the ballot will they get their candidates on the ballot or not that remains to be seen i'm thinking yes but uh, that remains to be seen Alrighty, so the Green Party, all you greenies that listen, uh, Green Party is officially a party again in North Carolina. Give it up. The uh, yeah, uh, the Democrat majority and the Republican minority on the Board of Elections, they, they, they got together and they said, you guys, you exist. You're certified. This has been a long back-and-forth battle. David Larson, writing at Carolina Journal, says uh, this battle is over whether there were enough valid signatures on the petition that was put together for the Green Party uh, to become a recognized party in this 2022 midterm. And the Board of Elections had determined that while there was some fraud by certain petition collectors, certain signature collectors, The fraudulent signatures were not enough to push the Green Party below the number of signatures needed. Right. So there was this has been going on for like over a month. Well, longer than that. Right. And I suspect what's I suspect what's really got them uh, hacked off here, not the Green Party, but the Democrats, is that the Green Party is perceived at least to uh, to be a real threat for Democrats that would take votes that would otherwise go to a Democrat candidate that if there's a green party candidate running for say u.s senate which there is his name is matthew ho and uh he's going to be on the he he could i should say because we don't know he could be on the ballot and the democrats are very worried that that might mean leftists will vote for him because he's a green party candidate and not the democrat but if he's not on the ballot there's no green party then all those leftists are going to vote democrat right you know who else knows this is Republicans. And I suspect the Democrats at the Board of Elections are hacked off. And along with the Elias group, Mark Elias, the super lawyer guy, because his law firm was all in on challenging these uh, signatures. And remember, they had a FOIA request for the for the names of all the people that had signed the petitions. And they started they started dialing them and texting them and telling them, hey, take your name off of that list. Oh, don't you? No, no, I'm a. I'm a Green Party member, too, but you need to take your name. They, they worked. They lied to people on these phone calls to try to get them to uh, to take their names off the petition. And then remember the FOIA request that Mark Elias's law firm was using, very similar language, almost identical. Well, it was identical in many portions of it, uh, came from the governor's office, uh, from an intern, right? And we're supposed to believe that was uh, that was not a guided uh, or not a directed order. Come on. Of course it was. So you got this level of coordination occurring among the Democratic Party in North Carolina and the leadership because the Senate race is so important. So they try these dirty tricks. And I also suspect that part of the reason they're hacked off is that maybe some Republicans helped get the Green Party certified. <laughs> they... Yeah, they may have they may have gone out and got some of the signatures because, you know, 
hey, look, Democrats, you guys are putting money into campaigns for these, uh, you know, uh, big MAGA uh, candidates running for Congress, even though you say there's such a threat to the democracy. There's such a threat. You're going to give them money because you hope to run against them in the general. But what if you lose to them? Now you've now you have funded the threat to the democracy. So what happened today was they said, all right, look, the Democrats said uh, we've done the investigation. We have found some fraud. Some of these we have multiple signatures. There are some fraudulent signatures. And uh, so we threw those out. But you still have enough to get certified as a party. OK, so now you're certified as a party. Great. But that doesn't mean you're actually going to be on the ballot yet. You got to get on the ballot, and that's in court. The candidate, Matthew Ho, still has to be approved in a court hearing on August 8th to gain access to the ballot. Members of the Green Party were removed from the rolls after the party was not initially accepted. The board said those who wished to register as a member of the Green Party now have to re-register. See, this is why it's so hard for third parties in North Carolina to ever really grow. Libertarian Party faced this for a very, very long time, constantly getting decertified, kicked off the rolls. I was a registered libertarian years ago, and the last time they got decertified, or maybe one of the last times, they got decertified, I was converted to an unaffiliated voter, and I just stayed that way. And I've been that way ever since for like 20 yeah, twenty years or so, um, because I get to vote in any primary I want. And in this town, generally, it's going to be in a Democrat primary. Um, the head of the board of elections, this guy, uh, Damon Sarcosta, he, uh, also is the director of the AJ Fletcher foundation, which was started by the founder of capital broadcasting company, Jim Goodman. So he's the, he's the head of a Goodman founded entity. Oh, and, um, Capital Broadcasting executives sit on the A.J. Fletcher Foundation's board. Capital Broadcasting owns WRAL. Just a heads up, but you should know. Stick around. Brett Winterbull's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.